Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sned. And this week we are reviewing a novella. This is fall in the novella category, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to dig into the difference between novellas and novelettes, because that just seems stupid. So let's call it a novella. Okay. A novella. A 90-ish page story um, by Brian Evanson. A, a, a favorite, I would say, of, of our podcast, yes? Yes, absolutely. This is the fourth thing we're reviewing by him. I'm already counting in my head. We didn't. Well, I don't know. Does are we counting stories that were in collections? Mm, no, I guess not. Then I'm totally lost. So we did collapse of horses. We mm-hmm. did the Lords, Lords of Salem. Salem. We do. Or we're doing this one. Mm-hmm. What other one am I not thinking of? I keep thinking that there was something else. I don't know. We had him on a couple of times, so it seems we like did it. interview him twice. Yeah, that could be why. So yeah. um, here it is. This is the Warren. Now, Rob, did you know what a Warren was? Like a rabbit Warren, where like they where they live underground. Uh, yeah. I guess is that is that yeah. I guess that makes sense now. Not like the band. Not like the the early nineties <laughs> band. Not Warrant. Not Warrant, because that would have been an even cooler book than this if it was uh, about Warrant. So. <laughs> Here's a little bit about Brian Evanson. Unskinny Bob, is that is that warrant? Oh, no, that's poison. poison. But that's all I'm going to be able to think about and be right. it while you're while you're doing your wrap up. <laughs> Here is the author bio from Amazon for Brian Evanson. Praised by Peter Straub for going furthest out on the sheerest, least sheltered narrative precipice. Brian Evanson is the recipient of three O. Henry prizes and has been a finalist for the Edgar Award, the Shirley Jackson Award, and the World Fantasy Award. He is also the winner of the International Horror Guild Award and the American Library Association's Award for Best Horror Novel. And his work has been named in Time Out New York's Top Books. Um, And he's been on our podcast twice. They forget forget that part. Notably absent from his bio. Yeah. That's okay. Everybody's just being humble when it comes to their interaction with our podcast, I think. They don't want to name drop booked. Right. And we don't we honestly don't want it that way. So <laughs> um The Warren. Here's a little bit about the book. We pulled this synopsis from Amazon. X doesn't have a name. He thought he had one or many, but that might be the result of the failing memories of the personalities imprinted within him, or maybe he really is called X. He's also not as human as he believes himself to be. But when he discovers the existence of another, above ground, outside the protection of the Warren, X must learn what it means to be human or face the destruction of their two species. I did read the synopsis of this before I before I read it. I, I, I synopsised first this time, which I usually don't do. Yeah, you were... Uh... You were well ahead of me on that because I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't even know that rabbits lived in Warrens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that synopsis uh, is pretty tidy. We uh, we meet the protagonist, um, who we will call X. I was thinking about this earlier when I was at work. Like, yeah. how are we going to refer to the protagonist because of the, the kind of naming situation? But I guess the synopsis fixed that for us. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's X... And he is, um, you know, we kind of meet him at, at, a, at a point in his existence where he's a little concerned. It is his job and the job of others that came before him to build, to assemble. I don't know what the right word is. The next of his kind. But he's all out of materials. 
and the last of his buddies um, took off to go to the outside um, to, to look for more materials and has not returned. So we're going to consider the, the other, his, his other um, cohabitant um, gone, dead at this point. Yeah, so it's kind of weird because I feel like in the beginning, it's almost like we're kind of surfacing or, or, or waking up to this character because um, it's not as if the, the ex is telling us reliable facts. X is kind of remembering things a little bit piecemeal here and there. And um, it seems like as we grow to understand the situation better, it's because X is growing to understand the situation better, or at least trying to understand the situation better. But this is all taking place underground, and it seems like either in a futuristic or another type of world situation where um, to go outside means a certain death. And X is the only person at all that's currently with us. So... Uh, it, it, it's a little unique in, in the fact that there's really only one character, but there's references to other characters. So any other characters that we uh, encounter, at least in the beginning of the story, for probably a good 30-40% of this uh, this short book is just X. And then we, we learn about, we hear about other characters, but we don't encounter another one for a good chunk of the book. Right, yeah. There are references to, again, as I said before, his predecessors. Um and then there's this weird thing because it, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit because it's mentioned synopsis. The type of being that X is, so I guess I'm going to address it. Um, he's not exactly human. He he looks human and, and he has conversations with um, the monitor, which is the computer that, that runs the Warren. And, you know, conversations and, and even maybe arguments or discussions about, you know, what he is, you know, that that's not the same as a human. Um, but his previous, um, the previous beings that came before him all, or at least some of them have imprinted themselves in his consciousness. So really kind of like a multiple personality situation, but X is definitely at the front of that, but he does, I don't know, have the input, I guess, of, of, of his predecessors. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah, and that's where it starts to get weird. So, um, as we discover that there are, I think, a, like a dozen or something like a half dozen or a dozen personalities kind of shoved into his brain, um, we start to pick up on, I don't know necessarily memories, but like knowledge that X wouldn't have on his own. And um, that's that's when we start to get kind of some blurred lines between X's personality and other personalities. The, a kind of a turning point happens where, um, through a conversation, I believe with the monitor, he, he knows there's a, a, a person somewhere, um, that is not within the Warren, like the underground area that he's in. So he decides he's going to go look for this person, I think to get answers or to help find the materials he needs to kind of, create the next generation of whatever he happens to be. And so he suits up and in like a protective, some protective gear and he goes outside into the outside world. That's like deadly and dangerous to him and discovers another structure, um, that he then explores a little bit. And that's all we're going to talk about because <laughs> <laughs> that takes a good halfway into this. Yeah. 
it's uh it's weird it's um it's a really weird story to, to say the least um rob congratulated me earlier on reading some science fiction because that's that's exactly <laughs> um that's exactly what this is and i know we're not doing spoiler talk um for for this episode for a variety of reasons that reasons that may become apparent later but um you know, it was headed in a direction. I kind of thought I knew where it was going, maybe, and then it didn't go that way. But yeah, we we do some discovery about X and about Horak and about humans, and maybe a little bit about what this species, um, this these types of beings are. I guess that pretty much is all we can say about the story. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, so yeah, I think that what I enjoy about this is that it's really kind of, uh, I would say, pretty focused on the idea of. Um, really identity and what it what it means to be, I guess, real, because we've already kind of discussed that these people might not actually be fully human. And um, to me, the interesting thing was, in the absence of really any <laughs> any good reason to survive that I could see in the story, that's really the only thing that that X is trying to do, but it, and it's because that's what the people that created him kind of told him, all right, so this is what, this is how it goes. And these are the kind of restrictions that you have to survive. But it's, it's just interesting to see in the absence of anything <laughs> like, you know, really that I would consider worth living for. That's the only drive that we see for X is kind of propagating the next, the next generation almost. Yeah, I'm not even sure if this takes place like on a, a future or like there's no like there's no setting for it. Yeah. You know, half of me. Uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler. I, I don't know. I must say it, if it's spoiler or not. I guess you got to read the story. And find out. Half of me was expecting him to walk out and just be somewhere in the desert in Arizona. And find, that what was the, the Brandon Frazier movie where they live underground because they think there was a nuclear <laughs> war. Oh, man. Um... You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, Alicia I'm, Silverstone, Brandon Fraser. I'm I've looking it up. Yeah. Of course, that's the one you've seen. Yeah. Um, Several times, actually. Not bedazzled. <laughs> it's, no, no, I don't. I didn't see that one. Uh, let's see. It is Blast from the Past, a 1999 um, classic where Brandon Frazier emerges from having lived his entire life underground, meets Alicia Silverstone, falls in love with her. You got to that super fast. He was in Monkey Bone. I don't even know what that is. I don't know either. All right, so part of me thought it was headed that direction, you know, so whatever. It's just, uh, I'd say it's a little bit dystopian. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a pinch dystopian. And, um, yeah, it's just, it. I don't know, like... I enjoyed it, but it's hard to pinpoint the things exactly that I enjoyed, if that makes any sense, Olivia's. Um, That does make sense, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, again, 90, 96 pages, I think. So I read this in about uh, an hour and a half or so. It's a quick read. Interesting. Anybody who's read Brian Evanson, when we talked about, actually, I was telling Livius this earlier, in The Collapse of Horses... Uh, collection that we reviewed earlier this year. There's a story in there where these people are on some sort of remote location, and the premise in that one is that they're 
running out of air and there's this like weird pink dust that's affecting them and someone is killing one by one the people that that are there and they got to figure out who it is and and if you know that that story reminds me a lot of this story because of the isolation and just like um the absence of a lot of facts about the world we're kind of growing uh, just the smallest amount of knowledge about the world and this this is very similar to that that story is called the dust based on our previous notes the dust do you have any quotes for this for Ooh. the fastest book review ever on book? i know like we're five minutes in and we're we're close to done just a hard story to talk about without getting into too much all right i do have a couple quotes there are a couple are really quick in the other one so i'm going to give the big one first and this is just kind of give you an idea how we um during the reading understood the difference between being human and not I knew something of this Horak from my earlier conversation with the Monitor. He apparently was not constructed, but rather procreated through the fertilization of an ovum by a sperm and its subsequent development in a womb. He was, according to the Monitor, an individual an individual thought process and meshed solitarily within a body. So that's kind of, sometimes we get stuff like that. <laughs> See, and I thought Horak was human until I read that part. Because yeah, my that. understanding is, when two people love each other... <laughs> Wait, why are you laughing? The stork. You're talking about the stork? The yeah, stork, the stork. Yeah. yeah. Apparently that's... The stork. Horak's yeah. not human. Yeah. He's a, he's a flesh robot. All right, and then there's this other part where um, this is probably one of the first times X is interacting with something or someone other than X, and he thinks that that something or someone is dead, and this is the quote. And then the dead body took a deep, juddering breath and proved itself alive. And I just thought that was a really cool way to flip the flip the script on whether someone's dead or alive. Yes, Ooh. I agree. Oh, you have another one? No. You're really excited there for a second. No, I, I, okay, so I did notice something when I was looking. I, I killed my, my quotes, and I was looking at some of the copyright information. And uh, this, this novella was edited by Anne Vandermeer. That um, makes a, a certain amount of sense. And, you know, you said this reminded <laughs> you of The Dust. Yeah. This reminded me of, and you'll have to help me out with the title, what was the Jeff Vandermeer book that we read, the a, trilogy, the first one? Annihilation, part of the Southern Reach trilogy. That's what this reminded me of. This definitely had an annihilation kind of other worlds, strange laws of how a world works kind of situation going on for sure. Yeah, I'll agree with you. So um, since you didn't have any quotes, man, you're up first for doing a, a review of this. A, a, what do we call that? <laughs> a wrap-up. Sure, let's call it that. All right. Oh, I hate... I, I'm going to hate doing this. I didn't like this. I didn't like it at all. Um, the writing was solid i mean line by line brian is a a a terrific a terrific writer and even listening to your quotes i'm like yeah that was great yeah that was great and i still didn't like the story um at all um it could be and likely is that it was a little too science fictiony um for my taste i just didn't yeah i i don't know i don't know what else to say I, i i didn't like it um I, I liked X's interaction with the monitor. I kind of like some of the things that were going on in his head, but that's that and the good writing is all I could pull out of this. Um, that, that's going to bring it up to to the it was okay bar, um, which is which is two stars. I, I just don't don't have a lot to say about this one. It just wasn't for me. 
I can't say that I'm entirely surprised by that. Um, could I could I hazard a, a guess about something as well? Sure. You really like Evanson for horror, don't you? I love Evanson for horror. I've I've really liked everything else this guy's done. I, as a matter of fact, at the very end, there is the um the like you said right before like the copyright information, or maybe that was at the front that you were looking is a list of his books, and I I feel like I should go back and read something that I haven't read of his previously that would maybe fall into the horror category just to, like, get past this. And, and I hate saying that because I think he's a brilliant writer. It just the story couldn't have been really less for me than it was. I think that's what it comes down to is, like, um, you have been nothing but vocal about how much you dis- dislike sci-fi, and this proves that it's not just... The writers of sci-fi, it's the genre of sci-fi. So I think it's kind of good that you you have someone that you've tried and like is tried and true, like an author you enjoy. But since it was a sci-fi thing, I think that's what killed it for you. Yeah, and and I'm not, I'm still willing to to review more sci-fi and and, and keep an open. <laughs> well, here's the whole thing: it, it's it keeping an open mind about it, right? I yeah. just, I don't know, man. This this was, it wasn't tough for me to get through because it was 90 pages, like you said. I mean, I spent you know an hour and a half on it in two sittings, I think. Um, to, to get through it. So it wasn't like I kept putting it down or, or anything like that. I just I, I just couldn't embrace the story. That's fair. Well, let's hear what I had to say about it. I did, uh, because I read the synopsis of this, I, I knew what I was getting into. The, the thing that threw me off was um, the way that the synopsis is written, and we didn't talk about this, so I'm going to bring it up as part of my wrap-up. It sounds like there is species of people. <laughs> In the in the plural, I was expecting like there to be a struggle between sides, and when we open up and we have one character and a machine for a good chunk of the beginning of the book, that threw me off. But at the same time, I thought it was really neat because um, it was really focused on just this one person's struggle with knowing what's going on and knowing what it means and all that stuff. I see this as like one of those one-off episodes of the X-Files where it's just this kind of self-contained story that is interesting and unique um, that couldn't exist in a broader story but as just this one-off little you know snack of a story was really interesting and it makes you think and I think that's the the strength of this story so overall I was entertained and I thought the 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 premise was was interesting and everything but it's just this like single serving kind of story, and I think that's pretty much what Evanson wanted to do. So I was happy with it overall. I enjoyed the story, sci-fi not necessarily for me, but you know I uh, I analyzed the hell out of things, so I was able to find kind of a meaning that that fit with what I was looking for. So I'm gonna give it four stars. You are officially a sad puppy now. Oh man, did I did I accidentally like express an affiliation? No, I don't. Or, know. <laughs> I didn't know if did I say a keyword like a like a passcode. You, pass you, you like some sci-fi? That's all it takes in my book. Did you do you agree with the whole like it's a one-off sci-fi like a X Files episode kind of feel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the whole thing. <laughs> it, it would. Pro- I'm I'm thinking, and I can't say this for sure, but like if Brian Evans had decided to write a sappy romance. Probably would feel the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a genre. And, and it's not because I think back and I don't think it's all sci-fi. You know, I like the Star Wars book. OK, you know, that that we read. Yeah. Um, There was the, the two Star Wars books that we read. They weren't terrible. 
you know, I didn't hate them because they were sci-fi. Maybe it's because I'm really familiar with that world and that Star Wars, in my opinion, is ba- barely sci-fi because yeah. it's so mainstream, you know, embedded in our culture, um, especially those of us my age who, you know, grew up with it from, from you know, a very, very young age. So I, I don't know. Uh, yes, I agree with what you're saying about it being a one-off to answer your question. All right. Um, so that's pretty short for review, and we usually offer more discussion around a review. Luckily, we actually uh, consumed some other media that we can talk about as well. So what else we got on the plate for tonight, Livius? All right. So this is not part of our notes, but we did talk a little bit, or you at least had mentioned, that there might be a difference between a novella and a novelette. Okay. A novelette is the 32-page category, like Stephen Graham Jones' The Night Cyclist, which um, released midnight last night, the night before this recording, so the 28th. Um, I read that today. Um, <laughs> this is all just a surprise to me. Go on, yeah, go on. Hold on no, no, it's okay. I just want to say everybody should go spend a dollar and read this story, because this story... Fantastic. Okay. And the novella, did you look it up as well? No, no, no. I'm saying the night cyclist is 32 pages, but it actually is listed as a novelette. Okay. So, no, I didn't look up a novella, but I'm pretty sure that if you look up the warrant, it'll say it's a novella. All right. Well, I just bought now with one click the night cyclist. I really like this. It. Um, I was... Uh, I did read the synopsis weeks ago when I, I pre-ordered this whenever it, it dropped on, on Amazon. And uh, the synopsis reminded me a little bit of uh, Night in the Lonesome October by Richard Lehman, which is one of my all-time favorite books. So I was like, I've got to give this a shot. Um, and it is about a, uh, a middle-aged guy who was, uh, you know, on the like biking racing team in, in college, but still rides like his bike to and from work. And he uh, encounters another cyclist who is a little out of the ordinary. Fantastic. Get a load of this cover, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. That is creepy. That's the creepiest, mm-hmm. creepiest cyclist mm-hmm. that I imagine I'll ever see in my life. That is that is not the protagonist. I'm just going to tell you that. That is the right. other cyclist that he meets. So. That's pretty cool looking. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, so um, if you're in the mood for something really, really bite-sized, um, the night cyclist, totally worth the buck, and then some. All right. That's not what I was talking about when I tried to kick that over to you, Livius. I know you, you know oh, that, that's right? Okay. I'm gonna, that's all right, because now I'm kicking it back over to you, buddy. <laughs> all right, so something that we've been talking about a lot lately that we've been eagerly anticipating for well over a year is a film. And it's a film that is an adaptation of of one of our, I say our because I know it is both mine and Livius, one of our favorite books, um, which is Dermaphoria. So it's the film adaptation of Dermaphoria, which is a movie called Desiree. Desiree, what was the exact release? It was just in the last couple of days. So the official release date was supposed to be the 26th, so like two days ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it dropped on iTunes a week early. Yeah. Uh, only on iTunes, so kind of an iTunes exclusive, but it almost seemed like iTunes jumped the gun a little bit. Like they messed up? Yeah, I, I, I think so, because none of the other streaming services had it. Yeah. And I imagine it's going to a wider streaming service. And But then, now here's what's happening now. I was supposed to get the DVD yesterday, so yesterday was the release date, so the 27th. 
I got an email from Amazon saying, hey, that package we told you was coming today? Yeah, it's totally not coming today. We expect it's going to be there next Tuesday. So um, if you Uh-oh. pre-ordered the DVD, I bought a DVD. Do you understand what that means? It's 2016. It's almost 2017. I purchased a DVD. That's that's how excited I am about this, dude. For and me, I, like mm-hmm. I would, you would literally have to go back in time at least eight years for me to even have something to put a disc into. That's I had not to in think my car. about that. Yeah, I had to think about that. But my my PlayStation plays DVDs, so yeah, yeah. my PS4. So I, I do have a DVD player. <laughs> um, and the only reason I ordered the DVD, I would have just bought the digital copy, but where it was on iTunes, and, and I just had to see it the day it came out. Um, I had to watch it on an iPad. I wanted to be able to watch it on something a little more sizable than 9.7 inches or whatever it is. So uh, I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger on the DVD, thinking that I would watch it yesterday, um, last night, on the big screen. And uh, by big screen, I mean like the 55-inch TV. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no such luck. So I did watch it on the iPad, and I know Rob watched it last week too. Yeah, I bought it the day it dropped on iTunes, and I watched that bad boy um, on my television through my Apple TV. Anyway, thoughts on the movie, Livius? Um, for anybody who's not familiar, uh, the movie the title um, was changed from Dermaphoria to Desiree, and it stars Joseph Morgan and uh, I, oh god, I can't think of his name. Walton Goggins, Ron Perlman. Walton? Yes, those two people. Unfortunately, it's not. There's not a huge list on the I've the Amazon page pulled up. Um, stars uh, the three of them and is a. Um, I'm going to call this an adaptation of Dermaphoria, as uh, <laughs> much much like much like the story itself. If you're not familiar with it, or, or or here's my synopsis of it. Sometimes your memories aren't exactly correct, and that's um, so that's possible too. Um, that my memory of the stories look because it has been a few years. I have not gotten around to rereading Dermaphoria. Like I've read the Contortionist Handbook, I think four times now. Um, it, it's on my list of things to do. But yeah, I'm going to call it an adaptation. I think that's fair. Sure. So, um, in a lot of ways, it's a very it's very faithful to what goes down in the book. And I know it's kind of weird because we're we're we're, we're almost, right now we're talking to people who have read the book. <laughs> we're not talking about what happens in the book, but uh or or the movie either. So I'm wondering what's the best way to talk about this, but um so I'll give some general impressions uh first and then we can talk a little story if you want to, but um it, at the beginning I was kind of surprised by the pace because I felt like they were getting to a lot of the points in the story very 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 fast. And understanding that a movie is a different medium and it takes a different amount of time and storytelling, the pace has to be different. Um, I think that when you have something that's such a darling to you, anything that, that turns that in a different direction can be a little bit uh, of a surprise. But that being said, um, I feel like a lot of it was very faithful to the book, although in the beginning it felt very, very rushed. I agree with you um, wholeheartedly on a feeling rush. I, I rushed. I will say that um, I, I liked the actors they picked, and I, I think that it was very well acted. Um, I, I didn't feel. I, I felt like they were all pretty genuine. I mean, the Walton Goggins character is just a little out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's, he's maybe not so much what I think of a re- how a real person would behave, but still, he's Walton Goggins playing. Walton Goggins, really. I mean, that's that's who I have to imagine <laughs> he is because it's like all the roles that he has are kind of that way. So, um, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I have 
some a little bit of concern for people that it might be a little confusing for people who aren't familiar with the story. But I could be wrong because I have, you know, I have the previous knowledge, right? Right. <laughs> so, so for me, looking at it, I have some knowledge, and I'm looking at this, going, I wonder if this would be confusing for somebody who didn't read the book. And I'm not sure how that plays out for somebody who didn't read the book, because, you know, I don't know anybody who didn't that seen the movie. All right. That being said, we're going to talk a little bit about the basic synopsis of the book. So the people who have not read the book or seen the film can have a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about. Um, and this might clarify why um, some of the pace and, and things could cause confusion. So here's the synopsis of the book, Dermaphoria, by Craig Clevenger that was released in 2005. Ooh, hot damn, it was released October 9th, 2005, so it was released the day after my birthday that year. That's pretty awesome. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> he didn't even know me then. He was giving me birthday gifts. Clandestine chemistry and the L.A. underworld provide the atmosphere for this tale of painful lost memories and the heartbreak of finding them. Eric Ashworth awakens in jail, unable to remember how he got there or why. His only memory is a woman's name, Desiree. Bailed out and holed up in a low-rent motel, Eric finds a solution to his amnesia in a strange new hallucinogen. By synthesizing the sense of touch, the drug produces a disjointed series of sensations that slowly allow Eric to remember his former life as a clandestine chemist. With steadily increasing doses, Eric reassembles his past at the expense of his grip on the present, and his distinction between truth and fantasy crumbles as his paranoia grows in tandem with his tolerance. So that's kind of the idea of the story, Dermaphoria. And I have to imagine that in a, in a short, uh, the short time span that you can, you can tell some, a story in a feature-length film, having someone who starts with memory loss and rebuilding that story in, an un, you know, um, in, the, in that situation has to be a pretty difficult thing to do. And so, yeah, um, whoever made the movie, you know, had, was facing that challenge to begin with. <clears throat> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's got a runtime of 87 minutes. Yeah. So, so that's on the, I don't want to say it's on the short side for movies. I think that's pretty standard for movies, but it's definitely, you know, it's not your two and a half hour epic. Um, you know, we could throw an extra 40 minutes into the front story, so to speak. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, I am a little partial, a little partial because Joseph Morgan is in, in a TV show that I watch called The Originals. It's spun off from The Vampire Diaries. Are you familiar with? No. no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Joseph Morgan plays um, Klaus Michelson, who is the, at any rate, he's in The Originals. So, I mean, I, I have an attachment to most of the, the main actors in this. So, um, Walton Goggins from The Shield and Justified. And then you've got Kate Walsh from Grey's Anatomy, and then uh, Hellboy, but uh, Ron Perlman Ron. Um, from <laughs> from Sons of Anarchy. Hellboy, yeah. from Sons of Anarchy. You know, yeah. so I mean, this is this is a great cast to have, and and I think that it was really well acted, and overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll agree with you. So I think the acting was spot on. I think that um, uh, putting this into a ninety minute movie. Uh, was ambitious. I think that this would have played out as like a good like six to eight part miniseries, um, just because like you could take the incremental growth of of his understanding of his past, 
in like smaller in like bite-sized pieces instead of like um cramming it into you know 90 90 minutes that being said um definitely a well-acted movie and the trouble with something like this is like i am so just heart and soul in love with the the book that if it's not the exact experience of the book of course i'm gonna feel like it wasn't as good as the book. That's just the way it is. Like, so, um, I think that given the source material and the, and the time they allowed themselves to tell the story, I think they did a good job. Um, I think overall, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I bought it and it won't be the only time I watch it. Um, if for nothing else, man, Walton Goggins with that, what is that? What type of hat is that? Where it's like the round with the flat rim. Do you know what the name of that hat is? No, you're the hat guy in this, in this. I know. And I don't know. (laughs) The way that Walton Goggins looked and he had that, like, pencil mustache, he looked like such, like, this, just a creepy, like, salesman. And for some reason, that was perfect for, you know, perfect for his role, for me at least. Um, One thing I was kind of hoping for, and this is just kind of the Clevenger fanboy nerd in me, in Dermaphoria, there is a very minor, like, a moment in, in the book where the protagonist from contortionist handbook shows up and i was like kept looking i'm like is that moment gonna happen it didn't happen maybe in the sequel desiree 2 yeah desiree 2 more desiree (laughs) Desiree. it's interesting desiree -er. i didn't think about the um miniseries approach yeah um but that's that's brilliant thinking on your part and easier nowadays because yeah. you know netflix will run just a six or eight part miniseries i just watched finish the night of um you may have heard um, i've seen the first episodes. two episodes of it yeah okay yeah you know what i mean so they're, they're game you know so we may see and that's that would be a great way to adapt novels the 11 63 um yep. who did as an original um aside from this, I don't know if this would ever, you know, because it's already been a movie, if that it would ever get that treatment, but the contortionist handbook, the eight part Netflix miniseries. Oh man. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. I mean, and that's just like lock, stock and barrel set up to be a miniseries with the way it's laid out and everything. Yeah. (laughs) So we were talking about this and I got more and more excited about that. (laughs) As you as we continue talking after you said it, so. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I have to imagine that, um, you know, like a like a smaller movie studio picking up your the rights to a book in order to do it as a film has to be easier. There's fewer obstacles than getting um, something to pick you up as a miniseries or a TV show. So, um, yeah, that's that's a tough one, but. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if that just became the norm? Like, whatever book you know is popular at the moment can can just get picked up and and you know made into eight episodes. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. See, I, it's it's hard to because all right, so you have a movie, and then you have okay, what did it do at the box office, or did it go right to video on demand? How many downloads? And and there's a there's a number attached to how much money you made, which then makes it easier to get financing for the next one. When you go, Hey, we did $4 million or whatever on, on a, you know, $1 million budget or whatever it comes out to. But when you have, um, Netflix and stuff, you know, I I have to imagine that they just base it on, you know, did more people subscribe? Like, I don't know how Netflix determines what they're willing to pay for something. Right. Because it's just monthly subscriptions. And I don't know if, 
and we'll take the night of as, as a recent example or um, um, stranger things stranger things um, you know did, did they see a swell in the number of people that signed up because that was all over social media for you know for three weeks straight yeah. and of course still from people who just started watching it who don't understand the rest of us have already seen it um, you know so I, I don't know how they determine what finances they they throw at that it's got it's got to be hard for the decision makers there to 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 put a dollar amount on what they're willing to pay for something because i have to imagine that some of that too is hey we produce this thing and we're shopping it around and you buy it and it's already made and some of it's got to be probably greenlit by them and right you know, they agreed to a price so it's it's got to be a weird thing for them to you know but i'm still holding out hope for the contortion contortionist hand, handbook miniseries i'll just and if it never happens i'll just have it it'll happen to my head <laughs> we just we just need to get it in the hands of the right people yeah i think first we need to meet the right people this is true that's our i think that's one of our obstacles one final thought about desiree the movie which um i know we already kind of we're done talking about it but um i kind of wanted it to be a little bit more cerebral so like one thing from reading craig's writing in general is that he puts a lot of thought and is very intentional about the way that he writes things, um, which makes it seem like really smart or at least really well thought out. Like there's a lot of planning involved and the movie didn't give me that like really well thought out, a lot of planning involved kind of feel. So I wish there was a little bit more of that. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think Needful Things by Stephen King may be the only movie I've seen after I read a book that I, I, I felt equally as good about the movie as I did about the book. Really? Yeah. I don't typically um, really enjoy adaptations. Oh, Primal Fear was the other one. Those are the only two. Anything else, I, I don't want to say I felt like it was a letdown, but I don't think was as good as. So that doesn't right. mean I didn't enjoy seeing and And I love to see adaptations from books, you know, seeing the movie version. Um, but it, it's it's that's the only two times I've walked away feeling like I got a fair shake. Like like it was it was close <laughs> enough to the I enjoyed it almost as much as I did the book or as much, you know, being that it was a ninety minute, you know, jaunt instead of a you know, several hours of, of immersive reading. Um here's the here's my thought though, like I will reread Dermaphoria because it's one of my favorite books. However, like if I just want to take a dip back in that world every now and then, now I've got this awesome movie. Yeah, and it's so, only 10 bucks for the DVD. Yeah, so I don't see why not. If you're a Clevenger fan, do it. Make it happen. Speaking of books which are made into movies, um, Rob has a note. This is news to me. <laughs> that Dan Brown is releasing a new Tom Hanks book next year called Origin. That's um, right. I think yep, Tom Hanks will be played by, oh, I can't think of what it is, Robert Langdon? Yeah. Landon? Landon? Yeah. Langdon. Langdon, Langdon yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, so another a new. I'm I'm kind of excited. Did you did you see the synopsis for this or this I, is the first I'm hearing of? It. I mean, I saw it in the notes. I have some information. Sure. Would you like me to share? I would love for it to have some information <laughs> because I find those goddamn books fascinating. Um, let's see. In keeping with his trademark style, Brown interweaves codes, science, religion, history, and art. Ooh, art and architecture into this new novel. Origins thrusts Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon into the dangerous intersection of humankind's two most enduring questions and the earth-shaking discovery that will answer them. Yeah, that's all it says. 
two so most enduring questions. It says nothing. It says yeah. what could be the synopsis for any of the previous Robert Langdon books. Yeah. Well, but two most enduring questions. So what would you guess? What would you guess those questions are? What would be why are we here? Yep. And why do people like science fiction novels? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Dan Brown and the earth shaking revel. So there's going to be something that answers those two questions is going to shake, the, shake the earth. Stay on in the fridge when I close the door. <laughs> um, it, it could be want to hook up and that's not me asking you that, but like, you know, <laughs> where does, where do socks go when they don't come out of the dryer? <laughs> um, Dude, uh, Livius is working on his own chicken soup for the soul style book. I think right now. I am, yes, absolutely. I, um, I enjoy, you know, we talked about this during the the, the last review, which, oh, interestingly enough, I'm, I wonder if this is a sequel and if they'll address, we can't talk about it because it's still kind of a spoiler, but you remember what, like, the big reveal was at the end of that book, right? Mm. No. <laughs> All right. Never mind. It was world changing. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was a big deal for somebody to write something into, you know, our current world that's so, you know, so those the Langdon stories are all very small and they deal with history and maybe they're accurate and maybe they're not, depending on, you know, what you believe. Yeah. But ultimately he he took our world and made a significant change in it. And yeah. I wonder if that would be addressed in the I was thinking about that too, like this guy writes books all the time where the world almost ends and it seems like at the end of the book everything's pretty much back to normal. So like how do you build off of that stuff? Like after a while it's like well you're just writing the same book with a different premise. So yeah, I wonder if it's going to be new or different based on the outcome of of what was it? Inferno? Mhm. Yeah. Yep. So we'll uh we have our first 2017 review scheduled. We don't know for when. <laughs> Or what the book's about, oh, but we're going to do a Dan Brown book. Um, yeah, I mean, they're not... They're, <laughs> again, I like him as a storyteller. I don't like him as a writer. To, to go back to the beginning of this episode where I loved the writing and, and didn't like the story. Yep. You know, so... He does great... He does great historical fiction. He does terrible dialogue and action. Like, he is not a book... Yeah, he's not a novelist. He just isn't. <laughs> This goes back to just remember the awkward like flirting in the last one. So maybe one of the enduring questions is how to pick up chicks. <laughs> yeah, that could be earth shaking. That could yeah. shake some earth. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be. I'm sure that'll be a fun review. We'll have to get a guest review around for that. We're taking yeah. applications at bookpodcast at gmail dot com. Hey, have we heard from our uh, our our hero who told us about the? The what's not a replacement for game? We have not. He is not. Well, to be fair. <laughs> All right. So there could be a reason for that, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about this. The three or four of you that listen on the website, this may be exclusive only to you because yeah. there's a significant problem with the feed. Um, so our last episode, and maybe this episode is not available on iTunes or Stitcher or some of the places where um, people with more modern technology than you have normally listen. So we know David Keaton listened to it because he listens off the website. Um, but yeah, there's uh, to go to not go into too much detail. 
Um, there's there's a problem with our website and the feed that uh, that is used by services like Stitcher and iTunes and stuff. So um, I have not resolved that yet, and which means that th- episode 323 has not made it into wide distribution through those services. It is available on the website and was also available, is and was available through Patreon for our Patreon supporters. Um, but that has not yet been resolved. So, yeah, it, it kind of sucks right now, and I'm, we're working to fix it, but we just haven't fixed it yet. So in the meantime, it's absolutely available on our website, and if, had you listened, you may have heard us talking about someone who helped us figure out um, what is not a replacement for game. Yeah, and that uh, if and when you do hear this, um, that our offer still stands, get, get in touch with us. <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got a little care package ready ready to go. By ready to go, I mean I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to put together in an envelope yeah. or something and send to you. So, Livius and I met up on a secret project, and at that time I handed off some merch to, uh, to, to send off to our, our hero. I love that you mentioned the secret project. Um, it is secret probably until our next episode. And then I think that we are ready to share with the world what we've been vague casting for a couple of weeks now. And even vaguer casting, not on purpose because of the messed up feed. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're so vague. Nobody's hearing this. No so, one's even listening to the episode. David James yeah. Keaton, we're talking to you, buddy, because we know you're listening. Um, we've got, we've got fun secret stuff to share. That's right. Um, so hopefully within the next couple of days, this will get resolved. This new episode posting is kind of a litmus test for is it an ongoing issue or was an issue with an exi- uh, with a specific episode. Um, but that's boring stuff. Hopefully that'll be resolved soon and you'll be listening to this and saying, what feed problem? Everything's great. I'm listening to this on iTunes. But until then, please um, bear with us and blame Livius. Yeah, it's totally my fault because I have no idea what a feed even is, so I can't yeah. help. That's what so, horses and cattle and stuff eat. That's what I'm about to do. I'm going to go feed myself. So <laughs> Until next time. We're not sure what next time is. <laughs> but until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.